This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. It is Friday night and we are fresh out of Beaver Stadium where Penn State held its 15th and final practice period of the 2021 spring calendar. Uh, 15 in the books now, Sean. We got to see number 12 last Saturday. We got to see number 15 this evening. Learn a little bit more about the team. Didn't get to see some players of note on the football field. We'll talk about all that. But uh, as we as we emerged from the stadium, uh, it was a, another you know great opportunity. We appreciate Penn State extending the invite. Um, and, and I think the, the last you know two visits in six days can get used to this. Yeah, well, there's no place I'd rather be on a Friday night at ten thirty than sitting here on the Zoom with you. So that's awesome. But no, it was it was great. It was a really really lovely evening for football. Um, just uh, you know the, the the weather seemed to work out pretty perfectly, and uh, you know it just gave you one of those crisp. Uh, it's a spring night, but it gave you one of those crisp nights, and it gave us uh, a chance to to watch some football, which we always appreciate. As you mentioned, and I think it's I think it's very important to state up front. Uh, the format here for this scrimmage was similar to last week, but we didn't see as many players. And I think that that had something um, to do with some of these takeaways that we have in terms of the quality, in terms of the, you know, keep this in mind uh, when you're taking, you know, th- that they didn't have three of their safeties tonight, that, that sort of thing. Keep that in the back of your mind when you're talking about some of these takeaways. Um, so it, it was a little bit different. I think we got a little bit more out of the one on Saturday. Um Obviously, we're not here to criticize um, the, the the format or anything, but I think it was this was more to me like a blue white game where there's some value in it, and then there was some, you know, and I and I hate to to, to talk lowly, but walk ons against walk ons type things, and and that's cool to watch, um, but you're not getting as much out of it from a from an analytical perspective. So um, it was great; it was uh, a chance to get into Beaver Stadium, which we always appreciate. We won't be back there until. August or September or whenever we're able to uh, to get back in there. But it was it was pretty cool. And I think James Franklin said afterward they'd like to do it again next year. And I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, you talked about maybe repeating this Friday night deal. I, I'd imagine they want a larger crowd this time around. We did not get an announced attendance this Friday. I know some of our um, Lions 24-7 subscribers were in attendance. We saw people sharing photos from the bleachers um, during the live message board thread. And, and that was awesome, first off, to see uh, Sean, our, our, our VIP subscribers in the stadium. It's been a long time since we were able to kind of share in and share in the same moment with them like that. So that was progress. Um, but as you said, so some people were missing from action. I, I'll start offensively because just like last week, um, I was really focused in on the offensive unit. You were looking at defense over the course of the evening, um, missing a few offensive linemen. Juice Scruggs was was on the field this time, starting at right guard. We did not see Des Holmes involved. Uh, we did not see Olo Fushano, who was the second right tackle in last week. Uh, again, we did not see Landon Tangwall. So both times we've seen this team in Beaver Stadium, the, the top-rated Penn State signee from this most recent recruiting class was 
was not involved there. Um, we did not see a couple running backs as expected. No Noah Kane. He was a participant in the pre practice or you know pre scrimmage drills and went through all that. Um, but he did not participate in live action. And then Kaziah Holmes, who we did see last Saturday, um, not involved at running back at all. The, the drills the scrimmage, but we did see John Lovett step in. So it was a different mixture of running backs, Devin Ford, Kevon Lee, uh, both back again in Beaver Stadium. But this time, I saw a, a nice little nice little stretch of John Lovett, no Noah Kane, and, and, and as I said, uh, no Keziah Holmes. And at wide receiver, one to note here as well. Um, by my count, unless I missed him, did not see Keandre Lambert-Smith, which meant um, all that first team work seemed to go to Cam Sullivan Brown along with Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington at wide receiver. Defensively, a number of absences uh, starting in the secondary. Jaquan Brisker was out there. He didn't play. Jair Brown was not out there. He did not play. Tyler Rudolph didn't see him out there. Tariq Castro-Fields came through and played in the seven-on-seven and the the non-contact portion of it for the most part, uh, but he did not play. Joey Porter, they haven't had all spring, so that's not a surprise. Uh, Tyler Elston, one guy that I really enjoyed watching play last weekend and was hoping to see a little bit more from him this weekend. He was not out there. Um, he, he had his uniform on. He did not have a helmet. Uh, Jesse Lucchetta, of course, has been out all spring. And Derek Tangelo, who uh, you know I also was impressed with last weekend. Um, he's played a lot of football for Duke. Maybe he's getting the veteran treatment at Penn State now, but he was he was out there, but he did not play. And remember, we're to the point now, it's practice 15. You know that you've got a long while for these guys to, to rest up when it comes to the contact stuff. We're not going to see this team in pads for another four months. So if there's even a question of if it doesn't make sense to put a guy in a practice field, have him run around, have him potentially get banged up further. I think you're going to you're going to play that conservatively, although you know it's a Friday night light situation. A lot of players want to be involved there. And I'm, and I'm sure it was tough for some guys to watch, but you don't want to exit the spring with a guy training in the wrong direction from a health perspective. So I mean that, we get yeah. it. That's that's just common sense right there. It's just a, you're not playing any games right now. You're not going to win any games by having anybody out there. Not going to lose any games. So uh, you could lose a lot more than that, though. You could lose a guy for the season or something like that. So, um, but three of those guys on the defensive side of the ball, safeties. Um, so that you know made for a change in the lineup. This is one that we expected coming, one that we thought we might see a little bit last weekend. We talked about it on the podcast. I mentioned on the chat uh, in my chat last week about it. Um, but Keaton Ellis made the start at safety, and that's uh, something I think people have been rooting for for a long time. You know, the uh, the corner depth and talent there, especially with the emergence of Kalen King, with Johnny Dixon coming out and playing a, a lot of football during the spring, um, made you uh, or gave you the opportunity to move Marquise Wilson to wide receiver, also gave you the opportunity to move Keaton Ellis over to safety. So that's a, that's very much a work in progress. He started, but I uh, wouldn't say it was the, his finest showing, uh, but uh, definitely – the potential is there. You know, you've got that long speed. You've got a lot of length uh, to go with Keaton Ellis and a good football player all around. So you you like some of the boxes that he checks at safety. I think it's going to take him some time to, uh, to get used to it, which we've seen from uh, many guys that have made that move. And with no Tyler Rudolph tonight, you got some extended looks there beside Jonathan Sutherland and Sutherland's a good teacher. So Sutherland, probably a future coach is, is going to be a guy that can take him through those. So I don't think it's any coincidence that those two were out there to start. Um, he missed a tackle to start. So that's not the, the best way to uh, audition as a safety, but I, I can see why Penn State uh, would like him there, especially with what they have at corner. 
Yeah, there's a reason that's been a guy we've kind of been leaning to uh, when we said, well, could someone help the safety nudge, nudge, uh, you know, that, that's, that's been Ellis along the way when that conversation comes up. And um, you, you said this before, no Joey Porter Jr. available. That's, that's been the story this spring. I know that when they lined up in seven on seven before the scrimmage started, Sean, this, the, the first team cornerbacks were the freshman Kalen King and Tariq Castro Fields. I did not mark who that tandem was once they got into some live action. Was it, was it, uh, it was John Dixon, Dixon and King. Yeah. Yeah. So two newcomers, uh, you know, circumstances being what they are, not necessarily what you hope to see in September in terms of who's available and who's on the field. Um, but I thought that was notable that the, the two guys who showed up in the campus in January were the first that trotted out there at cornerback tonight. Yeah, that's uh, it's certainly notable. And, and you know, I think Terry Castrofields and Joey Porter are still the starters. But if you're feeling good enough where you're moving guys uh, not only to to another position on defense, but also the other side of the ball, you probably feel good enough. So that's uh, certainly something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but really, probably the the main newsworthy item that came out of tonight, I think. Going back to Marquise Wilson at wide receiver, he was pretty active tonight, Sean, because uh, I counted him for five or six targets, a couple missed shots deep toward the end zone. Um, but he did, he was kind of a, a guy they were working to get in space, setting up some screens for uh, getting quick lateral passes out. I, I know that I think Taquan Roberson targeted him four times on one possession. Um, so I thought that was interesting, really trying to work the ball to number eight. It's only the second time we've seen him on the practice field playing offense after, you know, 19 games at cornerback the last couple of years. And, um, and I think that very clearly the playmaking skills are there. The, 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 the alpha mentality is there. We didn't see him bust loose. We didn't see him really create with the ball in his hand tonight. But you know, the quarterbacks didn't shy away from him. And, and I think that that's something to keep monitoring as this wide receiver gr- group continues to evolve and develop. You now give Marquise Wilson, what, three months ahead of him here to get working with the quarterbacks, get working with Taylor Stubblefield and put himself in a position to go chase uh, a significant role in the rotation this fall. And I, I don't want to get too far down the road, but that was something that I kind of circled um, in my notes tonight was, you know, Marquise Wilson was heavily involved in the passing game. Well, also, if you if you want to keep him, I mean the the uh, the portal situation is not is no secret for everybody. So you've got a guy that's making a position change from being what the fifth, fourth, or fifth corner right now um, to a little bit lower on the wide receiver chart because that's just how the things work. So you know, feed him the ball, make him feel good about where he stands, and, and make him think that you're you know you're all in on this uh, this production and this uh, this development here at receiver. So I think that might have something to do with it too. Just uh, you know feed. You, Throw throw the ball a few times and get him comfortable. And the more comfortable he's going to be, you know, out on the football field, the more comfortable he's going to be in the long run. If you're trying to uh, to retain your roster, excellent point on getting him to buy in on that long term investment with this program in that new role um, at quarterback tonight. Sean, I thought a big takeaway from this from this showcase event was cleaner football from the quarterbacks. And a part of that was I felt like they were facing less pressure, although the offensive line was very thin. Mentioned uh, a few guys out of the mix for that offensive line group today. Um, But I thought quarterbacks, you know, you didn't see any interceptions. You didn't see a lot of 50-50 balls. Those were a couple different things that popped up over the course of of last Saturday's action. Sean Clifford in particular, throwing a couple balls up, one intercepted in the end zone. This time around, uh, I, I did my best to keep stats on all the quarterbacks who, who were in the mix. Again, no stat tracker, no box score here. Um, this is all in live time. But what I had raw stats here, um, and I would ballpark these yardage numbers, but I got 7 of 11 
for 145 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown for Sean Clifford. Taquan Roberson was easily the most active after Sean Clifford, uh, nine of 13 for 76 yards, one rushing touchdown. Christian Veyer, we did not see much of, three of five, 14 yards, had a couple uh, pretty ugly misses that sailed over the target. Uh, and then we saw Mason Stahl late in the contest, who is a second year freshman, a red shirt uh, walk on, four of seven, 38 yards, and he threw a 20 yard touchdown uh, to end the uh, scrimmage action. One, like you said, it was a lot of walk on versus walk on by the way uh mason stall should have some some athleticism out there moving around a bit and i will note one of those four incompletions for sean clifford and i think people will appreciate this five yard line first and goal he's being pursued by adiza isaac a defensive end rolling to his right running out of room sails it into the back of the end zone out of harm's way and i think that was something that was nice to see rather than even in a practice setting like this sean him trying to squeeze it or force it and create a contested situation on a first and goal where you can't afford to give the ball up yeah i think he threw it away a couple of times which i know we're just kind of going with baby steps right here based on what we saw in 2020 but that's uh certainly a good sign um there's a couple of times when he was flushed out of the pocket last week we said you know he held on to it sometimes and and maybe threw some balls that he wouldn't have thrown one resulted in a pick in the end zone but uh i didn't really see that much uh this week uh Impressed. I mean, you know, have certainly been hard on Clifford uh, for the better part of two years, but, you know, it was, it was pretty sharp on Saturday. And I don't want to read too much into that because, you know, it's not it's not quite live bullets. And we mentioned all those guys were out of the secondary. Uh, but at the same time, he was sharp. He was putting the ball where he needed to be or where, excuse me, where it needed to be through a couple of balls down the field that looked pretty good. So, I mean, th- I, you saw progress and that's really what you were looking for coming into it. Roberson, uh, the numbers were good. I think he was a little bit up and down. He still got some work to do. No surprise there. Veyer, we didn't see a ton. I, we, you know, he did miss. Um, I, I, I can't remember. I think maybe Henry Fessler, one of the walk-on receivers, yeah. he did miss him uh, fairly, fairly well, wide open. Uh, but no, I, I, I thought that the the short stuff that we saw from Veyer showed some good zip on the ball. He's got a little more snap to his arm than uh, than the other guys ahead of him. So that was uh, impressive to see. And Mason Stahl, I'm not going to let you get away without talking to him. He's got some wheels, man. He came, I think he ran a four, in the four fours when he came to camp at Penn State. So showed a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody wants to see Mason Stahl this year because that means bad things have happened in the quarterback position. But, uh, you know, it showed some nice things. But I, I think that's my takeaway. I, I, Clifford was uh, was sharper than we've seen him in a long, long time. That's good. That's certainly a step in the right direction. And you hope that uh, the progress can continue into the summer. If, if you want to leave the, the media, the fans who are going to hear from the media and everyone who's in Beaver Stadium with, with an impression coming out of spring camp, this was a better one to leave us with than what we saw last Saturday for Sean Clifford. Um, whether that means anything in the grand scheme, I don't know. But it, we're, we're talking about the quarterback position in a positive manner here today. The only turnover we saw involved tonight uh, was actually a, a snap that went over Veyer's head. And Veyer's the tallest quarterback on the team, went over his head into the end zone. Um, so that was the only miscue that, that would have led to a turnover. Um, and, and by the way, James Franklin was asked again. I asked it last week. It was asked again this week if he feels like someone has separated themselves as the number two quarterback and, and take one Roberson tonight was specifically mentioned Franklin, again, not willing to go that far and saying that they found their QB two. Um, again, transfer portal still could play a role in this, but Roberson, if you're just going by it, the work that was involved tonight, he was way ahead of anybody else in terms of possessions. And there was a span there for Clifford, uh, three consecutive possessions resulted in touchdowns. Keevon Lee punched one in at running back. And why don't we move to running back now, Sean? Because as I said, 
different mix than what was in uh, what was in front of us last Saturday when we saw uh, a decent amount of, of, of Kaziah Holmes and we did not see John Lovett. Lovett was the third running back in today after uh, Kevon Lee and after Devin Ford. And, and I thought, you know, he was involved a bit as a, as a receiver, certainly carried the ball, showed some burst, had a touchdown run on a nice second chance uh, on a nice uh, second effort opportunity where he shows a little bit of physicality. And Franklin actually referenced after this practice that he hopes that the, the weight and muscle continues to go on Lovett and Devin Ford so they can both put their shoulder down and get a little bit better at picking up ugly three, four yard gains. But you saw something from Lovett tonight that, that I think you can certainly apply to this backfield and, and understand he's going to be a weapon they will utilize. I don't think he does anything exceptionally well. But you saw tonight he, you know, he slashes well. He finds that hole. He's got some good vision. Uh, caught the ball well. Got upfield. He just does everything pretty, pretty good. And that's something that you, you know, you sometimes take for granted. Um, so I, I thought he showed a nice burst. He had a couple nice runs. Uh, you know, breaking loose for eight to twelve yards, something along those lines. So I was impressed that that was our first look at John Lovett. So I, I, I liked what I saw from that. Um, just the running backs as a whole, probably one of the more impressive groups out there this evening. Kevon Lee, um, the I, 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 would you agree the best that we saw this spring? I mean, just uh, we yeah. had limited a limited look, but Kevon Lee it looks like your your guy right there. Of course, Noah Kane not getting a chance to get out there, so. Um, he's always going forward. He caught the ball and had a nice, uh, nice catch and run today, which is really hasn't been part of his game to uh, before. And and Devin Ford, you know, didn't do anything to to, to make you upset. I mean, I know that was a kind of a common theme last season, uh, but had some nice uh, eight or ten yard runs. Uh, just uh, they they got moving laterally. You know, Penn State uh, likes to run that outside zone, and and they had some success doing so this uh, this week. I think Juice Scruggs being in there. We'll get to the offensive line in a bit, but Juice Scruggs being in there may have had a, a you know, a bit to do with it, but uh, I liked all three of those guys this evening. I would agree with you that Kevon Lee in the two practices that we saw looked like the class of this backfield um, read in it, read into it what you will, but he was the first running back onto the field during scrimmage action this week, last Saturday, that was Devin Ford coming out with Sean Clifford for the first backfield. Um, and I think Kevon Lee, you know, he had a, a 20 plus yard pickup as a receiver that put the team inside the offense inside the 10. We saw him with the 12 yard gain as a runner and um, James Franklin pointed to him as, as guys who have really improved this spring. You just feels like at every opportunity, Kevon Lee kind of shows what he's about. And we saw that late in the season last year. Noah Kane is is chomping at the bit, I'm sure, to be a fully involved member of this backfield rotation. Uh, but but I am I think earlier this winter I may have said I felt like John Lovett was my second option behind Kane to lead this team in rushing. I think I got to look toward Kevon Lee at this point. I, I still think a, a healthy Noah Kane uh, getting 100 percent of his work would lead this team in, in, in rushing this fall. Um, but Kevon Lee, I think, is is, is going to push, and, and he's not going to be pushed aside um, with, with any kind of ease by anybody this year. If, yeah, if he keeps doing what he needs to do in the offseason, you know, maybe get a little bit leaner and, and strong. I mean, he's got a tremendously strong lower body, um, so he can, you know, he, that's where that forward momentum comes from. So uh, get a little bit leaner, maybe get a little bit quicker. Um, I, I thought he'd did look quicker than we saw last year. And that's certainly a step in the right direction. So um, I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, just most impressed with Lee uh, liked what we saw from love it uh, Ford, I think also has to get uh, maybe a little bit bigger, uh, maybe not too big. Um, but uh, you know, I think you, there's, there's a role for all those guys. And uh, that might not be a guy that carries the ball more than five times in a game, but uh, you know, you've got some talent there. 
we will come back with some additional thoughts on wide receiver. Jahan Dotson reminded everybody of his big playability, uh, some other notes at wide receiver as well. And uh, they did it again. Penn State went under center on the practice field in Beaver Stadium. Uh, we will be back with those and, and jump into a lot of defense. But first, a message from former Penn State All-American linebacker, Brandon Short. I'm Brandon Short, All-American linebacker, current member of Penn State's board, and two-time captain of your Nittany Lions. I'm running for re-election to Penn State's board. I come from a tough background, and a Penn State education changed my life. I had an NFL career, earned an MBA from Columbia, and I'm now in finance. Penn Staters have a lot of pride in athletics. There are wide-ranging benefits from success in athletics, increasing academic standards, supporting 850 student-athletes, and boosting the local economy. The current athletic budget is self-funding and is independent from the university, so investments have no impact on tuition or employee salaries. Yet, over the past decade, Michigan and Ohio State have outspent Penn State by $246 million and $390 million, respectively. Some candidates in this election want to de-emphasize athletics, making this gap wider. We must invest not for more touchdowns, but to benefit the local economy and enhance the entire university. If you agree, vote for Brandon Short, Steve Wagman, and Alvin DeLevy so together we can invest in Penn State's future. To vote, go to the link in the podcast show notes now. Thank you. All right, continuing with this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast and a little bit more focus on offense. I mentioned before, this team was short at an offensive line this week, and uh, it wasn't really – it wasn't a banner day for the center position. Let's put it that way. We had Blake Zalar uh, snapping the ball over Christian Veyer's head at the back of the end zone. We also had uh, a snap that went wide right on Taquan Roberson. I believe that was either a third or fourth down situation, um, and it led to a turnover on downs or, or a punt or a field goal try, but Roberson tried to recover, didn't happen. But I thought overall, Sean, the first team offensive unit and Juice Sprugs back in there, it was uh, against Salim Wormley at left guard, Rasheed Walker, as you'd expect, at left tackle, Caden Wallace at right tackle, and then in the center, Mike Miranda. That group overall, I thought, held up better than what we saw last Saturday, where it just felt like no matter what that was going on in the trenches, the defense was was getting the better of it over and over again, really impacting the quarterback, impacting the pocket. Didn't see that as much when you got into the second group, started to reveal itself more because uh, you, you saw a lot of you saw more walk ons involved. You saw guys that are very limited on experience. A lot of the second year players, Nick Dawkins, Golden Israel, Achumba, uh, Jimmy Christ. Um, so it's not where you want this offensive line depth to be when you get back into camp in August. We don't know the severity of any of these injuries, but you know, we're 0 for 2 in seeing Landon Tengwall. We're 0 for 2 in, in, in seeing Des Holmes. We're 0 for 2 in seeing Nate Bruce. Bruce and Tengwall were the two uh, additions in January as early enrollees. And, and Des Holmes is a guy that we expect to compete to start in that left guard spot and has played some tackle as well. And Olu Fashano, as you mentioned, not out there. He was the second team tackle last Saturday. So that's where that's where we are on offensive line. It's hard to take too much from what we saw, Sean, in the in the four hours or so of watching this team scrimmage. Do you have any kind of a takeaways on on the offensive front? I will continue to say, Rasheed Walker has has, has seemingly answered the bell. I mean, no complaints about that. And I thought Caden Wallace actually uh, looked looked a step ahead compared to where he was maybe last Saturday. I think Arnold Abikade once again got the better of him on one particular play, was able to flush out Clifford. But I thought overall, you'd like the work that you got out of those two tackles. Yeah, I mean, I think there's progress there um, from one week to another, and ran, we're able to run, run the ball more effectively. We're able to protect the quarterbacks more. Uh, I don't think 
with without looking back at it, we can really take too much away from it from a, from an analytical standpoint. But sure. I thought they were better. And um, you know, you add starting caliber guys like Juice Scruggs back to the mix. I mean, that's what you're going to get. And you didn't mention Eric Wilson coming in at the end of spring. That'll that'll certainly help uh, maybe plug that gap. I don't think Salim Wormley's quite yet there. Um, so, which shouldn't be a surprise. I guess he's still wrapping up his traditional redshirt freshman year. So. Um, yeah, I think that that's uh, positive on the offensive line. Um, I don't think it moved the needle all that much, but I think they were better than they were last weekend. Wide receiver, Jahan Dotson served up a little humble pie for the freshman. Uh, Kalen King coming off a headline-grabbing performance last Saturday in Beaver Stadium. Uh, Dotson went 65, I believe it was, on a touchdown reception where he did a lot of the damage with his legs, uh, surging past the secondary, and took you right back to that Illinois finale last year, last December, Sean, where uh, Dotson was scoring from everywhere, all over the place, and kind of picking up where he left off. We didn't see much from him Saturday. Uh, but but that was about you know that was nearly a half of, of of Sean Clifford's yardage total was was that big play for Jahan Dotson. Those are the kind you love as a quarterback <laughs> when your receiver yeah, oh, no does kidding. the work. I mean that was what a, a ten yard curl something like that yeah. uh, came back to the football made a catch uh, broke a tackle from Kalen King. I think Keaton Ellis that was one of his uh, learning moments as a safety. I think he missed or you know took a poor angle or something like that and then Dotson showed the Jets and he was gone and that's uh you know pretty much our uh, audio commentary on that play <laughs> I don't know if Penn State will be able to put up a video of that at some point um but yeah Dotson you know you, you kind of forgot about him last week because they didn't go to him very often didn't look like they really tried to get the ball to him and you want to mm-hmm. work in Keandre Lambert Smith and those guys and and try and get them some some reps but uh you know it certainly showed it right off the bat this uh this week and it's a good reminder why Jahan Dotson is one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, no Keandre Lambert Smith, as we say, when that meant a, a lot more of Cam Sullivan Brown with that first team group. Uh, been a steady guy, but been someone that has been pointed to by Taylor Stubblefield, by James Franklin as someone that they felt was going to be an impact player for them in 2020. Some health issues impacted that outlook. He has been consistently mentioned uh, as vying for that starting job with uh, Lambert Smith. Um, and then, you know, you look at what else is going on at wide receiver. Um, by the way, Parker Washington kind of, you know, quiet by his standards the last couple of weeks. He had a really nice one-handed grab though today. No one had a better catch and it was of the one-handed variety than Winston Eubanks, Sean, you know, the, the walk-on um, after a really strong Division II career uh, comes in here. Uh, he's, he's been kind of vying for a spot on that two deep, um, goes out there, gets stabs the ball uh, and brings it in about 20-yard gain in stride. Nice play by him, um, and and we'll see what we see what happens at wide receiver. But he's been a guy um, that I've continued to say, you know, he he saw, but he's you know there was a match here. You know, it's a one year deal on both ends, but I feel like there's an opportunity for Winston Eubanks to, to make a move. I'm not going to say he's he's going to get a ton of reps this season for Penn State, but a nice moment for him in, in Beaver Stadium, and it got to be pretty cool for 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 him and his family. Great catch, uh, looked smooth, uh, almost got to the end zone. I think they ended up on the two. Um, and then I think you kind of buried the lead with the the offensive line. Penn State went under center after that, I believe. And mm. uh, Taquan Roberson used a quarterback sneak. So that's uh, not really in the vernacular of the Penn State fan in the last couple of years. And uh, I guess we kind of glossed over that with Clifford, didn't we? He uh, under you know, center took. Yeah, he took he took one earlier in the uh, in, in the scrimmage under center, took a bootleg to the right, uh, kind of put Keaton Ellis out on an island where he had to take the receiver or take the ball carrier. 
uh, Ellis picked the receiver, and that was the wrong decision because well, well, Clifford yeah. kind of walked into the end zone from a couple yards out. That was uh, a legit QB run. That's a QB run for a touchdown in a real game. You don't. Some of these we see in scrimmages that are QB runs. You're going to get clobbered at the goal line, or you're probably going to get run out of bounds. That's one where that that design is exactly what you hope to do: put pressure on the defender to either come up, and make a play on you, stay back and cover the receiver. A nice read by Clifford. And I would say we we saw Mike Yersich had these quarterbacks, Roberson, Clifford, really on the move quite a bit today. It was nice to see some of that divine design rollout. I think Sean Clifford fares pretty well in those situations. Tempo and motion. I think we saw more uh, of the actual offense this week. You know, it's just kind of mm-hmm. um, there, there's more happening there than we saw in the last week. And uh, I thought Clifford handled it well. Um, Yeah, that that, you're right. That would have been, uh, you know, no doubt quarterback would have gotten in the end zone. Speaking of, of plays when that would have not happened uh, Clifford, tried to, I believe it was Clifford tried to scramble to the left at one point, getting away from a pass rush. Brandon Smith would have killed him. (laughs) And I don't think I'm exaggerating because Brandon Smith closed like a, a freaking truck and just, uh, you know, he pulled up at the last second because he's a quarterback and you obviously don't want to hurt your quarterback. Um, but uh, that would have been that would have been a little nasty if that was a, a live Q, situation. QCJ Thorpe collapsing on sidelines. I know he's not on the sidelines, but you, everyone knows what we're talking about. Brandon Smith clobbering somebody and then CJ collapsing like that. And yeah, I'm with you. That would have been pretty ugly because that was the play where Ebikade flushed him out of the pocket and, and Brandon Smith would have gotten there uh, if AK had not first. Let's talk about defense because that's where you were focused in on um you know this was a team that was down three players at safety down a couple cornerbacks trying guys a new position they were they were also late at linebacker um let, let's jump over to that side of the ball yeah i mean you mentioned that they were light at a couple different best especially in that back seven um with no tyler elson you've got four scholarship linebackers you know kobe king did some nice things when he was in there i thought the the starting linebackers and this was something i pointed to in the episode earlier this week was uh, just interested to see how they they went, uh, especially Ellis Brooks. Really impressed with Brandon Smith. Like you said, his closing speed on that one play was was pretty ridiculous. But uh, the rest of the scrimmage, I mean, he was he was flying around pretty well. Uh, Curtis Jacobs uh, just brings a new, uh, excuse me, an, another um, aspect of speed to that back seven, um, which is you know he's kind of looks like a safety runner out there, still a little bit small, uh, but he can run, he can hit, and that's uh, certainly you know, there's there's good clay to mold right there at the Sam spot. Ellis Brooks uh, a little bit up and down. I thought uh, you know he had a pretty good uh, spring from what we saw in terms of uh, being in the right position, getting guys in the right position. That was one thing that I took notice, especially pre-snap. I mean he's getting the guys in front of him, every, every guy in front of him where they need to be to, uh, I guess, keep them clean. I think that's probably some self-preservation working there. Uh, but no, he, I thought he did a good job. So I, I don't want to take too much out of the defense. They didn't get to the quarterback as much um, as they did last week. Um, still a couple of sacks. I thought Evacate uh, once again flashed that burst. I thought he looked really good. Um, one notable thing in the secondary they started uh, John Sutherland at uh, safety, but they moved him around. They did some different things with him. They put him in the box. They, you know, I guess you could probably say he played a little bit of Sam tonight. Uh, they were playing with some three-man fronts and some three-three-five looks, and they brought Sutherland up a little bit closer to see what he can do. And you know, it did a nice job, especially against the run, which is kind of his mo as a safety. So um, impressed with what he was able to do. So you, you saw them moving around Sutherland, and then in the post game. James Franklin mentioned another potential move on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, maybe moving around Jesse Lucchetta. It's an ongoing discussion with the coaching staff, Brent Pry, James Franklin, um, certainly Jesse Lucchetta. Uh, and Franklin was asked about that middle linebacker spot. He said they consider both Ellis Brooks and Jesse Lucchetta to be starters. He says Jesse Lucchetta is a starter for this team. I think there's a good chance Jesse Lucchetta is a second-year captain for this team as well. So um, he didn't go into specifics, but Sean, something we've kind of been asked about, uh, addressed at times, really since Jesse Lucchetta committed to this program as part of the 2018 recruiting class was, could this kid end up attacking off the edge uh, and, and, and playing a little defensive end? And that's a spot where he said some depth would be nice. Some, some additional experience would be nice. Um, again, we, he didn't take us down the path too far, but James Franklin giving a glimpse into their thought process at the conclusion of spring camp regarding a guy who's played a lot of football at linebacker for Penn State. Um, intriguing to say the least. Well, you wonder if they've got if they've developed that depth enough at linebacker. Like I said earlier this week, I think it's okay. I don't think it's great, um, but if if Tyler Ellison can be a guy for you in the box there, if Kobe King can play some for you, and if Charlie Catcher can be healthy, you maybe have something there. Uh, Luquette has always been sort of in that mold. He's always been bigger than the position. I think that's uh, worked against him at times at linebacker. Never been the fastest guy. Did did not come in as a as a speed demon or anything like that. Um, really worked worked his way down in terms of, of, of 40 times speed, all that kind of stuff. So that's been in some improvement that he's made, but you've always looked at him and thought, okay, he's six, three, he's two forty five, two fifty, or whatever he is now um, is defensive end in the future. And then you look at what Penn state has a defensive end. Um, you know, if he can be a guy that's a fourth DN, especially the way that they've played their DNs this spring, at least when we've been there, sort of in that stand-up role, which is kind of, you know, that hybrid. And you think, okay, maybe a linebacker can flourish there. Maybe Lucetta can do that. So uh, I don't know where he's going to be the next time we see him. Uh, I don't know how much James Franklin is toying with people in terms of uh, talking about a potential move or something like that. But you, you look at him and you can see where he's coming from. And, and by the way, uh, that defensive end, a guy that you know, we've been curious wh- where he's going to stand come out of spring is Nick Tarburton. He made a nice stop on Kevon Lee, like, uh, you know, right in the backfield. And Kevon Lee is a very difficult guy to bring down. And uh, uh, that was one time I remember seeing Nick out there flash a bit today. But again, playing uh, pretty extensively at defensive end. I think Hakeem Beeman was again uh, lined up alongside PJ Mustafer uh, at defensive tackle. And, um, you know, it, it's a spot right now where, a defensive end. If the door seems to be open if if, if Lucetta can make that to playing quite a bit. Um, but Zariah Fisher is there. You've got a lot of young guys. Uh, before we get away from that defensive front seven, Sean, just seeing Ebikete and Jacobs out there, just feel like those two guys, and, and look, Jason Away had a ton of speed, and Shaka Tony's fast too. Those two guys, though, that's an infusion of some legitimate bursts off the edge. I mean, two times now we've seen a Bikete getting in the backfield and it feels like Curtis Jacobs is, is, is sometimes chasing the running back from the backfield. Um, both those guys, you know, I, I flash some serious explosive abilities that I think will lend themselves very well to what this team wants to do up front. Well, there's no question they're going to be faster on the second level. I mean, uh, no offense for, for Brooks and Luketa, but you put Brooks and Luketa beside Smith and, and Brooks, that's obviously an upgrade in speed. And then you add Jacobs to the mix. You know, you take Smith and flip him over and put him in the box and you add Jacobs to the mix in space. And that's, 
Uh, I don't even think it's close to what they were rolling out there last year in terms of speed. So cover a little bit more ground there and and, and hopefully stay healthy enough to do so. Uh, maybe get a little bit creative. Brent Pry said last week after the uh, the scrimmage that they had some things that they haven't shown. They showed a few different things. I mentioned that three three five that they uh, you know they rolled out there tonight. That might be a, a nice little wrinkle to throw in there. Um, so it, it, it might give you a, a little bit more options there and. Um, you know, will Luketa end up at DN? Will he continue at linebacker? It's hard to say. Will Charlie Catcher be healthy enough to give you that option? It's hard to say. Um, but, you know, you, you certainly do have a little bit more speed, at least at that second level. And that's a spot last year where they were just uh, dreadful at times in terms of, um, you know, running behind the play and just, uh, you know, the angles. They could not make up the angles because they did not have the speed. This time you put uh, you put Smith on the outside, you put Jacobs on the, on the outside and the other side gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of uh, of what you can do. Tyler Elsden, by the way, James Franklin says uh, maybe no player uh, showed as much improvement this spring than Tyler Elsden did at linebacker. So uh, Sean Fitz with a keen eye last Saturday and James Franklin as he wraps up spring ball, uh, confirming they've seen a lot that they like out of Tyler Elsden. And, and maybe that does help facilitate towards a Jesse Lucetta uh, position switch. Um, specialists, we, we saw a bit of them today. Jordan Stout, improved performance as a punter that was not pretty last Saturday. He also connected on a 47-yard field goal. Um, Jake Pinnaker did not connect from the same distance. Um, something to monitor there. Um, Sean, you're in charge of walk-on shout-outs. Well, that's my, that's my category. Um, and if you made it this far, you've got your walk-on shout-outs here. Justin Weller, wide receiver, who was referred to a few times as Malik Mega. He does not look anything like Malik Mega. I'll, I'll leave you to Google that if you want. Um, but he had a few catches uh, one, on one instance. I think Taquan Roberson going through his progressions. He saw uh, Weller kind of sitting up field all by himself. Nice check down, nice throw. Turned into a pretty big gain. I believe set up a touchdown. Uh, defensively, Robbie Dwyer, um, you know, haven't heard a ton from them. I mean, they were rolling out. Uh, three walk-ons on the second team defense today because that just numbers aren't good. Depth's not great there. Um, so uh, Robbie Dwyer, I thought, had a, a really good showing the last couple of weeks, and Max Chismar even even more so tonight. Uh, you know, had he got in there as a as a second third team Mike and and made some plays in there. I'm curious to see if if that's a situation where you might. You know, if, if catcher continues to have those injuries, you might see a guy that maybe eventually works his way on the field, maybe more on special teams, but still, you know, it might have those options. I thought Dwyer um, was really impressed with, with, with Robbie Dwyer, uh, Tank Smith, obviously I'm always going to mention him every time walk-ons come up He had a nice play uh, in which he kind of caught a little flare pass and took two or three or possibly six guys to bring him down. <laughs> uh, he got a nice first down out of it. And then Sebastian Costantini um, moved from corner to safety in the off season, uh, did some nice things out there. Still got a little bit uh, uh, of size to add, but it'd be interesting to see if they can work him into special teams. Um, this is a back, kid that back to special teams, back to special teams. That's right. This is a kid <laughs> that came in as a kicker was so athletic. They said, we want to do something else with you. Moved him to cornerback, then eventually moved him to safety. Um, I don't know that he gets on the field as a safety, but uh, had a nice pick in the seven on seven um, where he kind of um, made his way across the field, did some uh, did some acrobatic uh, aerial work and and picked off. I think it was Roberson looking for Marquise Wilson. So um, those are my walk on shout outs. Uh, obviously, we're going to have more, uh, you know, in the in the summer because we always like to, to shine a light on those guys. But uh, some some solid plays. And like we mentioned, we saw a lot of walk ons this week. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, not as 
I don't want to say not as competitive as the first scrimmage, uh, but it just wasn't the same in terms of we we saw a lot of the first team and a lot of the the two deep guys uh, uh, in in the in the scrimmage last weekend. Maybe not as much this week. Dug a bit deeper on the roster and, and from the walk-ons here at Penn State to the high school juniors with a bunch of scholarship offers and, and even high school sophomores. Um, recruiting, uh, recruiting is is uh, something that we'll leave you with here because I think we're going to jump into a lot of this early next week when we do a, a kind of a full-scale spring recap. There, there's, it felt kind of like you know a, a regular game day where we're keeping our eyes on who's on campus and you know Sean, what do you make of this? It was quite a list they were able to put together, and and I shouldn't say put together because that's not where we're at right now, and there's no in-person recruiting, and the dead period still rages on until May 31st. But one way or another, these prospects got to campus, and uh, Penn State happened to be scrimmaging in Beaver Stadium, where those recruits were for a public practice that tickets were available to the public. And these guys just happened to be lucky and be watching at the right time. So uh, Nick Singleton, uh, big, 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 big target for Penn state, a target that Penn state seems to be surging with. We talked with uh, Brian Doan a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, in-state running back, huge target for the Nittany lions going to host him in June for an official visit. So getting him back on campus, uh, first time since October, I believe, getting him back on campus, certainly, uh, you know, a step in the right direction there. Alex Birchmeyer, I think Doan has a crystal ball pick in for Penn State, number 29 prospect in the country in 2023. And that might be the old rankings. He's still up in the top 30 somewhere because um, he's a, he's a composite, five star. He's a composite five star. So um, it's uh, certainly just keep getting those guys back and he's he's going to be back this summer as well um just keep getting those kind of guys back and hopefully you can sort of uh, fortify your 2022 class and build um from from the lineup because they're in on some really really good 2023s on the offensive line so far in that cycle Jaden Gould uh made his way out here he's going to be back in the summer for uh for an official visit this is obviously um, a guy that Penn State's been tracking for a long long time defensive back out of Jersey is it corners is it safety as a little bit early to uh, to make that determination, but got, he he you know took it upon himself to get out here from Jersey and, and Sidir Mitchell, a 2023 kid that we have, I think, on the fringe of the tw- of the uh, top 100 in 2023 from Jersey, got him out here. And then a nice group from Pittsburgh, just uh, evolve the team evolve is uh, tremendously successful seven on seven and training program out there. Tyrese Fearby, the defensive end uh, for the City League defensive end, and Tamir Robinson, whom uh, I spoke with Doan about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that seems to be potentially the next big thing coming out of Western Pennsylvania. So uh, really good group. There was even more guys there that, you know, I just kind of may have forgotten to write down right now, but we've talked about it on the site. We're going to have some updates in the next couple of days, but uh, it's nice to finally talk about recruits and recruit or recruiting and recruits being on campus because that's been a long, long time where we haven't really even had that option. And your weekend is just getting started, buddy. You're heading to Philly on Sunday to watch Bo Perbula at the Elite 11 Finals. So look forward to, not finals, uh, Elite 11 Regionals, looking to maybe punch his ticket to the finals uh, through that. But uh, it's an opportunity I know you're looking forward to. We didn't get to see Bo in person when he made that state championship run with Central York. So saw, saw him in the parking lot tonight, though. So <laughs> you saw him was, in the parking he, lot. He was on hand, yes. And by the way, unless he's been to campus since we had on the podcast, put this in perspective, folks, on, on where recruiting has been for the last year and a half. Um, this is your in-state quarterback commit who's been committed since last year before his junior year, uh, You know, grew up a Penn State fan, had not been to campus since 2019. So he was able to get back today. And, and he, this is just kind of a small 
sample of, of what may await in June and July, because uh, stay tuned. As long as things keep going, uh, this, this is going to be a very eventful summer on campus. And this is kind of just the, the the small appetizer before that, because uh, it, it's about to change up in a big way and take us back to a place that we have not been for a couple of years, my friends. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. <laughs> Same here. Well, that's going to put a punctuation mark at the end of spring practice. Like I said, we'll be back early next week uh, to kind of give some final thoughts, some things that we probably forgot to mention from this open practice, but really just a cumulative recap of the last six weeks of Penn State back on the practice field. 15 practices after none last spring. Nice step for the program. Uh, next up, we're going to be looking at all the prospect stuff. Of course, the draft is coming up. One notable thing here we'll mention, James Franklin says he and Brent Pry both making the trip uh, to Cleveland next weekend to support Micah Parsons. Uh, so they will be on hand for that. Um, so we're going to shift gears, look at the draft a bit next week, recap things for the spring, get some uh, recruiting feedback from the visits that took place um, and self-guided visits that took place this uh, this week. And Sean, we got plenty to catch up on. We look forward to hearing your report from Philly as well. I uh, cannot wait. Uh, looking forward to seeing Perbula and a nice lineup of, of underclassmen quarterbacks as well. Well, thanks for staying up late with us here on a Friday night or, or jumping on board over the weekend to listen to this. Always appreciate the listening. Throw your five-star mailback question in for our next podcast. You can do that up at Apple Podcasts with a five-star rating and review. We know a little bit more about this team. I'd like to say a lot more, but it's dangerous to dig too much into one scrimmage um, out of 15. But appreciative of Penn State letting us into a couple practices here down the final stretch for them. Uh, thanks to James Franklin and uh, everybody involved with that decision-making process. Uh, check out our coverage online, 247.com. A bunch coming your way. We'll have observations from both sides of the football, photos, and a lot more. Um, stay with us here at Lions 24-7. Head to the site. Head back to the podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.